And it's Dan and James talking about the Villa games. games. Hi there, everybody, and welcome back to the AVFC Faithful Podcast, joined, as always, by Dan and James talking about a singular Villa game this week, unfortunately, following our quite comfortable, quite easy 3-1 win against Luton Town. James, how are you doing, my friend? Yeah, not bad. Uh, Another good weekend for the Villa. Technically four nil to us, wasn't it? Really, we scored all four <laughs> goals. So, yeah, it was a, it was nice to have like such a comfortable game in the end after a a tough fixture in midweek. So another one on the board in twelve wins in a row at Villa Park in the league. Have we got we've got to have two more wins to break the record, haven't we? And that's yeah, Fulham at home, and then to break the record would be Man City. So I mean, that's looking quite far ahead. That's like over a month away, but you know. You, you, we should get excited. Well, I mean, sometimes records are meant to be broken. I mean, Jamie Vardy broke the goal-scoring record against Man United, the team of which was held, holding it. You know, of all teams to beat for that record, it feels like Man City at home would be the one. Because, I mean, I see, um, was it Bet365 put out today? We're 66-1 to one to go the whole of the season unbeaten at home. Um, which, I'll be honest, it's not the worst odds in the world. I, I, I saw it and I thought, Maybe I didn't because I, you know, I captained Dolly Watkins this weekend and he returned with uh, nothing. So uh, it's clear to see I have got jinx in power somewhere within me, not too much, but um, yeah. Well, what it's been a good seven days, hasn't it? Um, well, twelve goals scored, two conceded, or eleven goals scored, three conceded, depending on how you want to judge an own goal. Um, that was, uh, it was an you know where you get like like the the Lockyer goal, own goal, for example. That's a an own goal, you know. It was it was going in anyway. If he didn't hit it, then Ollie Watkins is tapping it in. Our own goal was a proper own. Like we even do own goals right. Like you, that's how you want it. Like, if you're going to get an OG mate, how else do you want it? You want Ezri Konza smacking it against his own crossbar and hitting him at Emmy Martinez on the way in as well. I mean, what a way to lose your your clean sheet bonus for your week, eh? He, he must be fuming, Emmy. You could see in his face when it happened. He's like, "Why? Just why?" Yeah. I mean, you could see what Conza was trying to do. Yeah, and like it was, it was the right thing to do to head it back, but the power he put on it was <laughs> it's comical. Like, I mean, with that informed, that our defenders are great at finishing there. So, <laughs> you know, poor, poor Emmy Martinez. He would be gutted not to be getting that clean sheet and. I think we did start to switch off towards the end. I think we we felt that comfortable. They had a couple of chances, but never felt like they were going to score other than that. It's, it's weird, isn't it, at the moment? Like, teams seem to be scoring. Like, the goals that are scoring is either, like, a, a great goal, like the Altmar one, or a deflected goal like West Ham, or us making an absolute mess of a, of a clearance. Uh, yeah, it's just one of those. We're just entertaining team at the moment, aren't we? Scoring goals, and that clean sheet will come again soon. Yeah, I mean... I think it's de- we're destined to be a very entertaining team this season, aren't we? And you know, like we said, previewing the game as well, we were like, this could be one of those games where you take a two-goal lead and then you just breeze out the rest of the sixty minutes or whatever. And it looked like Villa were going to do that until we kind of got bored. Um, my my brother-in-law actually said, uh, literally as soon as it went in, he just turned around, and went Southgate's excuse straight away. Uh, yeah, it, it is really. I mean, that's the only thing Ezri Cons has done wrong in about. God, he's probably on 12 months nearly now. He's just been... I I think he deserves it, to be honest. He deserves a goal. Um, Just not there, ideally. But again, you 
on the grand scheme of things, we're in a really lucky position where we can just laugh about those things. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I actually wasn't angry when it went in. I just laughed because when I have to yeah. do those sort of things, like it, 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 that is football. That when anyone ever says to you football scripted, you'll go no, and then bring up that own goal and go, you physically cannot script that. There is no, no. way that you can organise it to go like that. Well, I went in and I literally took because I was watching it with uh, my father-in-law, and I was just like, that was the only way they were scoring today. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. Because and it annoyed me because I think I predicted three 0 didn't I last yeah. like last part? And it was just I was seeing it come in, and I was like, yeah, uh, the amount of one nils I've been saying recently, it was <laughs> it would have been nice to get one right, and then yeah, if he's like pissed off, you ain't having that. So <laughs> it was it was uh, yeah, it was just um. A really good game. I think when you think about Luton and how they're, they're going to want to try and restrict you, it's quite quite interesting how there was a couple of direct balls that got us in in, in behind, wasn't it? We just drag, we, we managed to drag teams up the pitch onto us, and then you got Watkins and DRB and even Cash who can make those runs in behind. It's just uh, honestly the variation in our play. It, it's so exciting, like so entertaining. You, you can try and stop us one way, and we'll go a different way. Like I, I love the the different plans that we have, and you know, this, this again is without a couple of different people in our ranks. When you've got you know Ramsey and Moreno and Buendia that play in a different way, we are sort of restricted in a sense, but we're still managing to play different ways. Still, I just I, I love the adaptability, and I think Emery's just teaching the fan base still constantly about football, and it's just so great. Yeah, well, I mean, we were when we were watching the game, we were it got to two 0 and we sat there and regarded it, and we were like, right, because we was the same old thing that since happened with us at home at the moment, where we just stood on the ball and waiting, because obviously we're hoping that they press out so we can keep playing like you said that diagonal ball we were playing out to to Cash and Diaby on the right that was working throughout the whole of the first half, and then it was the fact that as soon as um again uh. Andy, one of the guys I always I've always watched Villa with, he literally turned to him and said, "They're just waiting for them to press out so we can play it behind." Next thing you know, Kamara's got the ball and fizzes it in from the halfway line, pretty much straight in behind, and Diaby gets it, taps it through, and Lockyer puts it in his own net. And it, like you said, there, it, it, or it's the same sort of avenue of playing it in behind, but it, we didn't even have to make them press out; we press them because we were like, right, well. We fancy bagging another one. Diaby was on it, and he was. I have to say, he because he's obviously had a couple of slower games, based probably by his own standards since his injury. Um, he hasn't been poor, but he's not been the lightning fast, like lightning quick on everything. Um, chances coming out the wazoo, whatever. Uh, he had a great game. He he settled into it, didn't he? Really well. Um, obviously the second half was pretty much his. Um, one thing I wanted to know about was obviously Danny Murphy really doesn't like the fact we've got a set piece coach. Um, which is ironic because without a set piece coach, obviously we're we're struggling to break the deadlock because we had chances galore, but we weren't getting that first goal. And then next thing you know, it's a perfect set piece. Douglas Louise, uh, it's Diaby that does the fake, I believe. Um, yeah, it is. And uh, and obviously McGinn takes it, scoops it onto his right, uh, and then finishes it. Um, McGinn iconically then the second half has a chance where he has so much more time come to him oh God, yeah. in front of the goal <laughs> on his right foot and he hits a shot that genuinely I think most children in, in world football could have probably hit at the same pace. It, I think Kayla Gree is probably the worst strike he's hit 
Um, yeah. But that's the beauty of it, isn't it? Is like that is it's it's what we love is that Villa create all these chances, and again we we can laugh about the fact that he absolutely spoons one because that goal he scores is it is perfect. I mean the way he hits it, the power on it, the fact it's on his weaker foot um, is exactly what we needed. Yeah, um, it is interesting. I don't, I don't understand Danny Murphy's point of view because he's saying like, why do you need a set piece coach? Why can't you? What are the other coaches doing? Why can't you get them to do it? It's like, but you, you're giving people specific tasks to to stick to, like they can actually focus on that more than having to do two things at once. Doesn't does that sound not more productive? You know, having speciality coaches in specialist areas. Like, I mean. I saw. I, I haven't seen the stat. I saw someone say something like we're the third best set pieces in Europe at the moment, and I haven't seen any stats yet. So I'm gonna have to research and see if it's true. But I could see it because I mean the the creativity that, that we've got in set pieces is brilliant, and that that one that we scored at the weekend, it's like I could see that coming with how McGinn was on the edge of the box, and we've we've got all the big men in the box, so we're you know keeping them occupied there. Yeah, you could see that pass was coming. The dummy was great. I, I'm, I guarantee that that was meant to be hit first time. But when he's given that much room on the edge of the box, it's a beautiful feint and a lovely right-footed finish. But yeah, I, I, I can't see how there'd be a downside to having a set-piece coach. No, it it doesn't make sense. It, it, it's like saying, "Oh, here's a whole restaurant. We're only going to have one person to work in it. It's a chef, and he's going to." cook the food, bring it out, do your bill, make your drinks, and then seat you to your tables and take you out. Like, of course you're going to delegate. I mean, it's, clubs have set-piece coaches, whether they advertise them or not, and whether they're out on the pitch or not. They, every club has got someone behind the scenes that is dedicated to that role. It's it's clubs that don't have that that become the least effective to have them. Um, I'm try, trying to find the stats, actually, for the best, because it all comes up with like the best corner teams, for example, um, yeah, and there was ones about like the least effective. And I think a couple of years ago we were the least effective. Yeah, um, we were really. But I mean, on, on top of that, we're um, still top scorers in the Premier League. With Man City just overtaking that in the last game of the last season, uh, last last game last night. Oh, because well, I thought we were level. No, we're still top. Uh, we are twenty six goals this season, level with Newcastle. Yeah. Um yeah. and then Arsenal are third on twenty three with Brighton and Liverpool. Uh, it is silly now, isn't it? Averaging three goals minimum at home. Yeah. Um, goals all over the field now. Uh, again, we score three at home. All right, one of them's an own goal, and it's still not by our striker. Doesn't mean he had a bad game, but still, you know, we're still scoring. Cha- of course, we'll all talk. We can all talk about the chance he really should have scored. Um. By Diaby and the ball across to him. I was adamant that was offside. By the way, obviously it wasn't, but I'm sure it was. It looked it looked so offside. <laughs> I mean, it, it it was ridiculous. But again, it's it's a case where you know we 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 how long have we said this on this podcast? We've been doing it for a year and four months now. Um, a year and three months. Year and three months. Um, how long have we been talking about the fact that we needed goals all across the field? Yeah, for a long time. It's a year. You can't just be stuck to one goal scorer. I mean, look at look at Wolves. My brother-in-law is a, a Wolves fan, and he was saying that the past season or two, their highest goal scorer has been on six, and it's like, and then you've seen how they've been struggling. Yeah. So you know we're getting goals from all over the pitch, as you say. Um, it's really handy, and 
Watkins, yeah, he definitely should have scored that that chance, which I'm still sure it would have been ruled out anyway. Yeah. Cash looked offside from the, from the initial ball. Watkins looked offside from that pass from Cash as well. So I don't think it would have stood anyway. But you wanted to you put that chance away. But I think overall Watkins played played well. You know, it, oh, his yeah. hold up play is, is still underrated. I think outside of our fan base, you know, he's brilliant at it. And this is the great thing about that partnership. They've both got the technical ability to drop in and, and play the, the, those sort of passes in behind. But they've also got the pace and the physicality to make those runs in behind. So it must be a defender's nightmare to face those two. Yeah, I mean, it, that the, the attacking lineup we've got at the moment is is ridiculously good at either beating the man or pressing up against them and making them second-guess everything they do. Zaniolo's great at it. Bailey was has got so much better this year as well. Obviously, Diaby's just lightning quick, and that ball seems to just stick to him when he's on it. And again, Watkins is is seemingly really enveloping that role of he's always been good at holding up the ball. It seems like a lot of our fans haven't really gotten used to that beforehand. They didn't really see because a lot of the time he'd hold up the ball, but we didn't have anything to play it off to, or the only person would be Grealish. And I mean, like if you're holding the ball up for Grealish, you're playing it out wide and you're not really advancing as much, whereas now he's holding it up, playing it back to Douglas Louise and then turning and going. And we've got like three, four options either side. It is getting like to the point now where the conversations have got to be had, like well, when we look at improving this team, you know, is it actually the attack we're looking at improving anymore now? It, it doesn't seem to be the case. It seems that it is like, I think we chatted about it before. It's solely going to be on the right back department. The only thing I wanted to chat about, just a key moment, um, and, and I think I just want to feed into you having a chat about him for a little bit, uh, Pau Torres. Um, obviously, we did a, a whole video when he when he came in and introduced us to what, what we can expect from him when he was on form and what, what he showed at his previous clubs and for Spain. Uh, the one moment I wanted to bit was obviously the bit where he decided to just flick the ball over. over I can't remember who the player's name, unfortunately. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. Um takes that ball, flicks it over his head and plays the pass out. I mean, that's the power Torres we've been waiting for, isn't it? It is. That, that's that's pair with, with confidence now. He's, he's settling into the team. Like Exactly what I tweeted, I think it was yesterday, that he looks settled now. He looks like he's he's used to the league. I think he looks like a yard quicker. Um, yeah. You know, I had a couple of replies saying, you know, I don't think he looks quicker. And it's like, I'm not saying he's, he's looking rapid, but I think I think his anticipation has, has helped him. He looks like he's he's reading the games, giving him an extra yard of pace. There's a couple of moments yesterday where he'd already set off because he could see that the ball was about to go in behind, and that that makes the world of difference when you're not the quickest defender. Yeah, you need that anticipation. But yeah, he played a couple of lovely passes in behind, like the one to Luca Dean, that's just short of Watkins in the center, in the center. Then he's, he's looking really good and solid, and I think he was quite high in them. Um, Aerial battles this week. I've seen the um, the, the tweet from the other fourteen yeah. Twitter page, and I think he there was seven aerial duels that he contested, and he won five of them, which isn't bad for someone that was apparently shocking in the air, which we had quite a lot of. He's, I think he's getting to the point, you know, that you know he's going to keep keep improving, and then when Mings is back, you think, you know, how what's the dynamic going to be? Because yeah. Perry's got the got the shirt now, undoubtedly, because he's playing. You know that's how it is. Whether that was how it was going to pan out completely, who knows? But this is the way it is now, and 
you, you, you could say, you know, obviously Torres seemed like he was the succession plan to Mings long-term anyway, but it would have been nice to have them both for yeah. this season. It will be hard for, for Mings to get straight back in and that's, you know, me as a big Mings fan that I think we still miss his organisation and leadership <laughs> still quite often, but considering he was such a massive integral part of the team, we've settled pretty well without him now. Um, the tests are going to be against the really top teams soon, but I, I honestly can't wait for those games. I think, you know, if we could come out of that week when we play Arsenal and City back-to-back, if we could come out with that with three points, I'd, I'd be really happy with that, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I'd be buzzing with two, to be honest, if we're, if we're taking both draws out of that game. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, that's even sort in a case where it's going to help us. I, I'm, we're not right now officially, right? I, we'll talk about that in December when we are. Um, but, you know, when, when you're playing for the top top six, top five places, you have to be taking points off of your rivals for those places. And let's be very clear right now, statistically, everyone is our rival above us, not really below because we're closer to first than we are to fifth. Um, uh, sixth, uh, sixth, seventh, we're, we're, either what fucking close. All right. We're there and we're thereabouts, which is ridiculous to think. Um I mean, you look at the four that are out injured: um, Moreno, uh, Moreno, Ramsey, um, Mings, and Buendia. It's only Ramsey, in my eyes, that is a dead cert to start as soon as they're all fully fit. I mean, I can't see for the for the attack that we've got now. Buendia probably doesn't get in ahead of Ramsey, for example. I think Ramsey gets in ahead of Zaniolo and Bailey still. Um, but Moreno, I mean, I mean, Luca Dean for a player that was effectively told at the start of the season. You know, you, you we we can sell you, and looked really close to be going to Nice. I think it was it Nice or um yeah. um he looked almost dead cert to be gone, and then two days later he started, and it comes out that he's not going anywhere. He's been brilliant, nothing short of brilliant. I think he's had a couple of games where he's shown lapses where you know you're hoping for Moreno back, and obviously we want that dynamic of having the pace down the left and the running it to the byline, but. We really can't be complaining about Luca Dean's performance of recent. Um, no. Only thing we're missing from him really is probably his his really clinical set pieces, like his free kicks, for example, um, which we know he can do. But again, when you've got Douglas Louise on the pitch, who seems to be taking the staple of those, you've got John McGinn, who definitely would probably like to have a free kick now and then. It's hard to be getting those. So I I am very impressed by the way that these players that weren't to be starting the season and weren't to be our main focal points have really come into it. And, you know, we'll chat about Zaniolo probably in a bit as well. And because obviously we don't, we only have Forrest away to preview for the weekend. And I like, I like these little chats we have about the players more in depth, because I think it sort of signifies their importance and, and the way that they're maneuvering around the squad. But I, I'm very impressed with Luca Dean this season. I think this has been his, the closest we've had to Everton version of Lucas than, than we've had ever. Yeah, I think he's definitely been a lot better than what I expected him to be. And he's had the opportunity to be, to be fair to him. Um, I, you know, if, if Moreno was fit, I, I don't have any doubts that he'd have started this season, obviously. But yeah. again, that's just how it works. And I think I think he looks a little bit fitter. I think he looks a little bit more confident. I think the system's benefiting him a bit more when he's got three defenders behind him um, and there's two wing-backs. I think does help him more. I think Moreno's... He has to win the shirt back because, you know, again, the same with the Mings and Torres thing. Dean's been playing and he's he's not been playing bad. I still think 
Um, both of them at the top of their game. I, th- I still think I picked Moreno. Yeah. I, I just like his his energy and obviously his pace. And I, I like because of how we score cutbacks so often. That's Moreno's bread and butter constantly. Yeah. So Luca Dean's an interesting one for me. Um, I have to put a little disclaimer here that you know I think he has been excellent this season. I think you know you can't as you say. There's only a couple of bad moments from him, but you know the assist yeah. that he's been providing. In getting forward, I think he looks better trying to beat a man. But I think there's a succession plan to be had there for two reasons. Obviously, we've got two older left backs in a sense. I mean, they're not old, but they're only 30 years old, Mark. Yeah. I think 30, 31. Uh, Luca Dean's on a lot of money, a, a big salary. I think if you can bring in someone that's not too much of a drop off from his ability, um, that fits the system, isn't on such big wages, it sort of helps spread the quality of the squad wherever else you want to invest then. Because um, obviously it's, it's not always the, the transfer fees that hold us back. It's such a big salary that we've got. So like a, We're really high. Um, we've only just started really achieving. If you look at the salary table of the Premier League, I think we've only just started hitting our targets with how much salary we, we spend. So, yeah, I, I just think that's an interesting place that we might address come next summer still. Because, I mean, as you say... Luca Dean was told that he could leave in the summer, you know, and if it wasn't for Moreno being out still, he would have been gone, to be fair. Um, so that is what it is. Um, but yeah, I have, I have to give him praise still. He's been a, he's still been a really integral part of this squad and more than anything, I think, because he's suffered with a couple of setbacks of injuries for us, he's been pretty durable, to be fair, this yeah. season. Um, playing so much football, I mean, he's only really been rested when we played McGinn at left-back, which... Yeah, it was a half and half display, but you know, I think he needed that rest. But he doesn't look like he's jaded yet. Uh, I think it might take its toll soon, but then hopefully Moreno's back soon. He was he was on the pitch. I think the yeah, other night there was a bit yeah. Moreno content, wasn't there? So it will be helpful when he's back, and maybe it does come to a point that you know we can use them in different ways still. So yeah, I have a lot of praise for Luca in this season still, um, and on, on to Zaniolo, and I know that you you won't mind talking about him. No, well, um, we had this chat beforehand and uh, it's a fun chat to have because me personally, as a football fan, and particularly a Villa fan, um, I've grown a real tremendous amount in the past year in the way that I view football and mainly players. Um, a lot of that has come from my judgment of players like Watkins, Douglas Luiz and now Leon Bailey. And I've sort of changed the way that I judge footballers. Uh, it's the same reason why I'm not digging out Longley and I'm not digging out Tielemans for the way they started the season because I've grown to understand that these players need time to adapt and they need time to showcase their full potential, especially younger players. Now, Zaniolo has been the subject of what can only be determined as um, Villa scapegoating, which is what we do. Um, a lot of our football fans uh, flock to Twitter, flock to X, whichever one you prefer to call it nowadays. It's not really the argument we need to have today. Um it, 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 we have to have someone that we go, that's who we need to replace. I'm not spending the money on him. The owners won't be doing that. Bring back Philogene Bedace. Who decided that Zaniolo's better? He's clearly not. Get rid. He's our weak link. Bailey should have stopped over and over again. I saw it. This was by half time. You ask the majority of the fans to watch that game and they will not say Zaniolo had a bad game. Did he lose possession numerous times? Yeah. So did a lot of our players, because that's what happens when you attack a lot. You don't score every attack, although we do score a fair few. Um, 
he is a focal point of a lot of our attacks because he gets the ball two times. He got it sort of in the hole in front of Ollie Watkins, where Ollie was pressuring the defender. He gets it, turns and goes. Now, at the moment, Zaniolo is suffering from um, a lack of goals and assists on his tally, and he knows that. So he's doing his best to try and score. Now, one of our key memories of Zaniolo is in turning, facing the facing the goal, hitting a shot that most of the time we're surprised it doesn't go in. It comes back out and we score from the rebound. I mean, ineffectively, that's an assist. Whether you want to say it's an accidental assist or not, he's unlucky not to score there. This talk of going, he's not worth the money, we're not buying him yet. <laughs> it's ten, we're 10 games in and his best performances have been in the league that he's already played in. This is a brand new league to him. Let's not talk about because let's be honest, none of us really know what's going on in the in the betting scandal that he's involved in, whatever. It's it's a lot of clouded judgment, it's a lot of Italian judgment, so it's hard to judge. Um, you know, it, he's just he's not your standard like it's not like we've gone out and bought James Ward Prowse and he's not performing, a player that's been in this league and is known to perform and is bringing something. He he's a young lad and he's suffered from so many injuries in the past. This is probably the most competitive and tough physically and like um competitive and continuous football he's played for quite a while so i, I just think like, just chill out we don't have to have something wrong i know we feel like we need to but it feels like he is the one where because as soon as it's not him it'll be back to cash or it'll be cons is not performing or luca dean or it will be ollie again and surely we've got to get to this point now where we look at Diaby and we're judging everyone off him. That's ridiculous because Diaby is a, like he's he's one of the best in his position in Europe. He is, you know, he yeah. we weren't the only club that wanted him. There's a reason why he was scouted who he is. You know, he's a young lad and he's he's got it all about him. But I just I just think it's it's getting silly now. I can't. It was the only one I could I can avoid most of it, but I I just can't get my head around us writing off a bloke. Before Christmas, it does. I don't get it. It always doesn't surprise me because it's the same with Bailey. That they're players that want to try and commit a player. You know, they're going to face the man up. They're going to try and beat him. He's. I think what it is is people aren't used to him. He's so, he's so unique in the fact that he's almost a bit of a brute because he, he's his size and, he, and his physicality. Yeah. He's quicker than we realise. I think if you give him a chance to run into space down a wing, you'd see that. Um, it, he's. Don't forget, he's the he basically created that goal. Douglas uh, his goal against West Ham, yeah. committing the man and then cutting it back. As you say, he, he took the shot against uh, Legia Warsaw that ended up in a goal. And the Luton game in the weekend, he had three good chances within the first 15, 20 minutes. And yeah, there weren't goals, but that that's a threat. You know, that's something that the other team is then going to be thinking about. He's in the right areas constantly, and it was only a good save from Kaminsky that really stopped him from scoring. I think his third chance. His, his first yeah. one that was laid off by Ollie, it he should score, but I also think that Watkins didn't need to put it in the air. I think it would just need no. a layoff. The technique's much harder when you've got a side foot volley that so you know unlucky and also probably should score still. But he's he's having such a big impact on the team and Emery obviously feels that because he starts him pretty much week in, week out. And yeah he did get taken off at half time. But I think it was a, a smart decision at the time. It doesn't mean that Zaniolo shit or anything he's, he's having a good impact on, on the game um, I think fans will get used to it and realise I mean let's take the McGinn case study if you want to look at numbers last season we saw how much improved he was after Emery came in in that position that drifting in position 
he probably yeah, he took him ages to score a goal under Emery, didn't he? It was only the Chelsea game. So, you know, it's it's not always about the numbers. You know, we are saying that we want goals spread around the team, but we, we have got that. It's the, the positional sense of a lot of the players at times and how you drag the team about. It's it's like an inverted fullback. Yeah. How Zinchenko steps into midfield and sometimes I saw he was talking to Neville months ago and he said, like, if I drift in and, and the player follows me and I've opened up that passing lane, I don't get the ball, but my job's done. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're part of a tactical system and it's not always about getting the ball, having the ball, creating and scoring. Your place on the pitch has an effect in general. And that's what Zaniolo is doing at the moment. And I have no doubt the goals and assists will come because he's a very, very talented player. Um, and as I say, really unique when you've got such a big lad that's so technical like that. So his, his goal's coming soon. Uh, Sunday would be nice for him, you know, get get the fans off his back a little bit. Well, not all the fans, but, you know, the, the select few that, that do like to have a little whinge. Yeah, I'll be interested to see who is next um, in the firing line as soon as he does score, because I think the majority of Villa fans are under the same impression. The second he scores, it's just going to keep coming. He just needs that first one. And we're so just so upset. It's probably going to be a terrible goal, like one that you look back and go, like it comes off of his ass or something and goes in, you know, and, and that's how it will start. Because it always does, because his chances have been so good. Like he's had some really good shots that he's been so unlucky not to score from that it means he yeah. has to score an ass one, which is fine because it goes in. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's strange. I mean, we're in that position now where obviously so many of us are looking for flaws and so many of us are looking for, for gaps that, you know, that if you look hard enough, you'll find something. Um, and, you know, there's a, a, one little thing I wanted to chat about and it is linked to Jaden Philogene Bidace. Uh Obviously, he scored a brilliant goal for Hull um, on Saturday, didn't he? Um, lots of conversation going on around him, obviously. Um, it was a mistake to sell him, yada, yada, yada. Obviously, we were under the impression that he would feature this year and obviously, we were both quite big fans of his. Um, but again, we kind of agreed with the fact that, you know, we balanced the books with FFP and we've got a buyback in clause. Now, um, I've got a little bit of, not stick, but um, comments from uh, Hull fans because I said, oh, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if he continues in great form that you see him come back in, you know, in January or, or in June, for example. Um, January is probably a bit too soon to, you know, he'd have to have a very, 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 very good six months for him to be brought back. Um and they were like, no, can happen because you can only buy him back if we're in the same league. And you don't get for you only get first refusal if someone outbids you. You don't get that. Now, if that is the case, it's the worst orchestrated buyback clause in the history of football. Um, not totally believing Hulls, I think it was his vice chairman that said it. Um, a buyback where you're only in the same league with Hull City would indicate to me that our footballing board know literally nothing about football because that that ju- it just doesn't make you you may as well not have a buyback clause i know that they are where they are now but they're not they're not favorites to be going up they weren't probably favorites to be getting making playoffs or whether they were probably favorites to finish around mid table and press it, i can't i don't know about you but i just can't believe that that's true well Emery and the various journalists around the club on our side have made it clear that we keep saying we're in control of his future. So to me, that says, you know, there's a buyback clause in there and there's a real pathway back into the club should he perform well, which he is, and which 
well, you know, I'm going to tell you it was inevitable because he's a baller. Yeah. Um, but this was the right, you know, I say this in hindsight now because I was obviously a big fan and wanted to stick around the squad because of how versatile he is and how he suits, how he play. But in hindsight, it's the right decision because you're giving him chance to showcase his talent week in, yeah. week out. And he's really shining there in getting the goals, getting the assists for club and country. So, yeah, I can't understand why it'd be if we're in the same league. It doesn't it doesn't make sense. And as I said, it seems clear that we're in control of his future from everything we hear. Emery said that various times. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with him. We'll see what happens with Archer. And have you noticed how quiet it's been around him recently? Um, you know, I'm, I still like Archer. You know, he's in a team that's really struggling. Um, it, it was always going to be tough for him. And we, if this is the way that his career goes, where he, he does struggle to score and maybe doesn't make it in the Premier League, then we've got £20 million for him. So, you know, the, the club took a, a gamble with these these youngsters. I don't... Is, is Aaron Ramsey out injured still? Um, I no, think he is. I haven't, I haven't been getting the notifications on my phone, so um, no. I presume he is, but... Yeah, they, they took a gamble with selling some of these players with, in terms of, you know, the feedback from fans. But this is this is football. It was either that or, as as I think, uh, who was it that said it? It might have been Greg Evans or Jacob Tanswell that said, if if we were looking at, you know, staying within the RFFP region, then it was either sell a star player or be creative. And, and obviously, we've sold the youth products now and still in control of their future, apparently. So it was the right way to go. It had to be. I mean, there's... I can't find anything about an injury to him uh, from where I usually find it. Perhaps there is, and it's not just been widely reported. But, um, yeah, I, I know I made my predictions about um, about Cameron Archer at the start of the season. Uh, I do think he is in an unfortunate predicament where he's playing for a, a club that basically committed club suicide before the start of the season and sold two of their best players going into yeah. the Premier League. Um I think he would, you know, he would perform better in another team. But again, Unai Emery wasn't keen to begin with. We could see that um just by the gameplay he wasn't getting. So yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting thing when it comes to youngsters because again the percentage of people that make it is so low and you know the amount of money you receive back is a hundred percent profit. So it makes sense. The club did the right decision. I just think that perhaps that that buyback clause is actually it's 15 million if we're in the same league and then like 20 million if we're not. And that's how he's gone about it. Um, again, I don't believe most of what clubs say about finances because it's very, very, very rare that they're telling the truth because it just doesn't make business sense for them to be honest about how much things cost, um, yeah. how much they value their players. Uh, again, like we only came out and said how much we value Jack Grealish after he was bought for the record amount because it was published. It was a record amount, um, but it's the reason why we see undisclosed fees and stuff. So, um, yeah. look, there's only one thing that matters now for the rest of this podcast, and it is our next fixture is uh, Nottingham Forest away. Um, <laughs> I wonder what time we could be playing football at this week. Ah, oh, <laughs> Sunday two o'clock again for no. Surely not other than the fact it's been selected to Sky and we don't get the half-five kickoff. Now, I saw somewhere that someone said that half-five is an ideal time to be watching football UK time if you're in Saudi Arabia. Uh, and uh, five o'clock on Saturday, not sure if you're aware, but I believe it's Newcastle again. 
Um, I just saw that. It doesn't mean it's true. I just saw that, and I thought that was funny. Now, um, look, I only say it because I'm so tired of watching us at 2 o'clock on a Sunday. I just want to watch us at a different time because um, it's just waiting to a weird part. I hate Sundays. Anyway, it's a big fixture because it's a way, and it's a fixture we should be winning because we're in a position of power now where... Yeah. Every, as long as we keep winning, we're maintaining that gap against our biggest rivals for our position now. Um, you know, watching a Manchester derby and actively deciding on what scoreline you want because it actually benefits Villa rather than who you prefer to win is is yeah. ridiculous and it's brilliant, but it don't make sense. Um, and like that Pau Torres thing when I watched it, you're like you got to pinch yourself and this is actually Villa, like. Yeah, Aston Villa. We're talking about here. Aston it is. It's, I've been like looking at the table constantly, just like a, we're definitely five points ahead in fifth. Like you know, <laughs> we're in, you know, don't want to you know be too silly, but it is. It is still really crazy because I mean, yeah. at this point last year, we were probably what two points out of the the drop zone, or we might have even been in it. It's just, it's mad. It it really is, and I think whether we like it or not, I think you have to put us in that. Champions League challenging bracket right now because one, the form that we're on, the place that we're in, the money we've spent, the players we've got, the coach we've got, it just it stacks up in our favour. And I think even the betting uh, betting shops now have us as one of the favourites to get into top four or five, obviously. I'm still saying top four because I, I ain't going to take it for granted that there'll be a fifth spot because no. obviously it takes so many different, thing, so many different things. So, yeah, we just got to keep winning. And I think Sunday's a good opportunity, even away from home, you know, I think that it might be a game that suits us. It depends how Forest sort of set up and yeah. just looking at it, they, um I think for the tougher games, they sort of, they tend to resort to a back five. Um, their average possession this season has been about 36%, which, you know, that's sort of probably going to be towards what we'd be looking at anyway. We, we want to see the ball late. They want to attack us quickly on, on the counter. But just like like Luton, when you're putting, you know, an extra man in the back line behind the ball, you do struggle to to progress up the pitch so often. So we'll be interested. It will be an interesting game. I think in the Premier League, they've only scored ten this season. They've conceded fifteen, so they do leak goals without scoring as many. And they've got a really poor goal conversion rate, something like six percent. Um, it's really low. So I think we have got a really good chance. We've still got to be on our game. Um, I like the fact that we've had a week to prepare for it yeah. um, and a week's rest for a lot of the players. I do wonder who's going to start. I, I'd, I'd probably stick with the team that started against Luton, to be honest, barring yeah. any injuries. Um, so, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it. And it would be nice to, to get another win under our belt. And as you say, the teams around us, I mean, Newcastle have got a t- tough fixture on, on Saturday. They play Arsenal, don't they? And Yeah, yeah they're at home. But... You got United away at Fulham. Um, City have got Bournemouth at home, so you know they're going to win yeah. most likely. Uh, Liverpool away at Luton, which you know you expect Liverpool to to win that game quite comfortably, but you know strange things and all that. And then yeah. Tottenham Chelsea on, on on the Monday. So yeah, I think it, it's a good opportunity to to keep our place among the top five. Hopefully, definitely. I, I mean, it, it's a uh... It is weird, isn't it, when we're looking at fixtures, uh, other people playing, and 
it's not thinking about you know goal difference on going down and stuff we're not in a in forest position for example um yeah it, it's one of those games where a year ago you'd be like take a draw or take a draw you know stabilize the ship now you're thinking well we should really be wanting a clean sheet here you know a 2-0 win for example and and get away from there and you know start building up from the back again uh, I wouldn't be surprised, obviously, if if we do concede, because um, we might get bored and just, you know, someone might scorpion kick it into the back of the net for a laugh. Uh, but either way, it, I think again, Luton was it was an easy game. Um, we made it difficult for ourselves at the end. Uh, gave them enough chances just to give them a little bit of a highlight reel on match of the day too. I think. Um, but aside from that, it again, it was another game where we haven't got our second gear. It would be really good to be able to watch us in a higher gear soon um because we didn't yeah. even have to do it against AZ and uh West Ham we were out of it for about 20 minutes after we conceded and then we went back um I can't wait until we play City and Arsenal because we are going to finally be in like the gears of which we we were expecting to be playing in so um yeah I, I think if I had to go for it I'd say 3-1 uh win away um again I think Forest uh I think they're going to be another one of those teams that benefit from the fact that there are worse teams in the league than them, at least three worse teams in the league um, that's probably going to keep them up. And yeah, I, I'm i excited because we're, we're watching Villa again. Um, again, you, you said before recording it, it's weird not having us on midweek sort of feels a bit like we're missing out. But yeah, 3-1 I'm going for. Uh, I'm not oh, going to say Zaniolo scores, but you know... <laughs> I go two from Cash and a goal from Leon Bailey as well. Nice. Um, I'm going to go 2-1, but it's not going to be a close game. It's going to be a game where they get a consolation late on, I think. Um, I will say a Watkins goal because he doesn't need one in my eyes, but you know what Villa fans are like. He's going to start needing one soon again. You know what the narrative is. FPL as well, so that helps. <laughs> yeah, so Watkins and a Douglas Louise goal. Um, Away from yeah, my are you mad? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think our next clean sheet will be Fulham at home. Um, it feels like a clean sheet game. Yeah, I don't know if that's because the last time we played him in the league, you know, in that, that little run of games towards the end of last season, that was the 1-0 game. I feel like maybe that sticks out in the back of my mind still. So, yeah, I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself now, but I, I just think that we'll we will still concede this Sunday, um, but we will dominate the game again and, and you know look the better team, which yeah, hopefully we do, and that would be another big win. Definitely, and it will you know there's there's a possibility that could put us into the top four. Uh, most likely, it'll probably just keep us where we are, but keeping pace. Um, yeah, it's, it's exciting times, and it is just. It's a it's still every week is still a pinch yourself moment being a Villa fan at the moment I think and um so much quality on the pitch quality off the pitch um obviously we, all, we all, there's little things people would change the badge the kits whatever the prices F- fuck that we're fucking brilliant so <laughs> we're shit out we're winning the league that's all I can think about for the rest of this episode now um Claret Blue Ribbons getting on that trophy uh and we'll uh, we'll be capturing old big ears next year as well. <laughs> That'd be lovely. Yeah, wouldn't it? Would it? Wouldn't it? Might pop to the old top, you know. It depends. Might get bored of the old bus parades after next year. Who knows? <laughs>
Beautiful stuff. Well, as always, if you've enjoyed this week's episode, make sure to leave a like, uh, smash the subscribe button and fondle the bell to make sure that you never miss another episode. Um, obviously, if you do get a chance, make sure you share the podcast around. Uh, we were chatting beforehand. Me and James do this. Um, we both wrote a lot for um, AVFC Faithful, uh, a lot like who we spoke about last week. Mikey does. Um, a few of the other boys do as well. But this is pretty much the best thing that, well, personally, I do. Um, focused around football is 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 great fun and it's basically just our way of, of spending another day talking about Villa really and posting on a platform and hopefully getting more people involved and uh, we want to make this just a lot of fan interaction is I mean there's there's nothing really back in this is there we're just two blokes chatting Villa all the time um, if we didn't have cameras we'd be doing it in a pub so uh, no matter yeah. what we here chatting away won't we yeah, hundred percent, and uh, I'm excited because we won't, we won't, you know, like give away what it is. But in, in a couple of few weeks' time, we'll have a, a really nice guest on, which yeah, will be really. Fun. I think Villa fans will like it. So yeah, it's just I always enjoy speaking about Villa, but at the moment it's just it's great, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. I think you're listening around in the media are starting to give us credit, and as much as that doesn't bother me in the slightest, because you just enjoy it in general. It, it's nice to see the team get the. The respect yeah. that is there. Definitely. And, uh, well, it's just, it's a weird time. I, I envy the people that are going to school now as Villa fans because I was dealing with yeah. it, getting relegated and, you know, now they're getting it and it, you know, one of the most informed teams of the Premier League, second only to Man City. So, you know, en- enjoy it because this is, uh, this, this, this feels like a new phase for us as a club, doesn't it? And um, yes. it just feels like a, a real bright period. So, let it's been fantastic again. Uh, we'll be back next week. Um, good luck getting James on a podcast next Monday when Football Manager 24 releases. Um, I've been thinking about it. I've written on the calendar, unlikely. Um, <laughs> it, 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 I'll, 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 dual, I'll, I'll stream as well as playing at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't wait, personally. It might be both of us. We might have to just play Football Manager and release that as a podcast instead, to be fair, because... Um, I would yeah <laughs> just translate through the medium of football transfers on there um <laughs> but yeah until next week up the villa up the villa <laughs>